Alors, alors oui, c'est de la part de qui? Um, shout out to Lisa. We used to think that was really funny for some reason in French class. C'est de la part de qui? Who the fuck are you calling me? That's what that means. Let's begin. Well, you guys, I'm back. And if you don't know who I am, because you're a first time listener, thank you so much for being here. My name is Kelechi Azier, and I'm host of Cake and Kombucha, a Bravo, Bravo, effing Bravo podcast. Um, you should actually be welcoming me back. Um, your girl has been going through it, really. Um, there's just been a lot going on. I apologize for my hiatus. I like to think that I gave you a little SLC treat, um, right with the SLC finale the last time we chatted. I think this is going to be a conversation, an open ebb and flow, catching up with ourselves, catching up with you, catching up with the franchises, and also preparing for a new franchise we'll, we will be covering tomorrow, Vendor Poopin Rules. Now, where have I been, you might ask? All my life, all your life. I have started a job. Your girl started a nine to five. And she's done a nine to five before, but this is the first time that I really was, I cared about it. Um, I've never really been paid enough in corporate America to, except like when I was first starting out on leaving school. And I think I was paid like, God, it must have been like $35,000, $37,000. Again, this was a long time ago, but still. Um, wasn't that long ago. But yeah, actually, you know, that was, that sustained me for several years when you have roommates and before New York inflation got insane. But anyway, this is the first time I've really been like, I actually care about what I'm doing and I want to, you know, develop professionally. It's not just a means to the end for acting. Um, my relationship with acting is such that I just kind of have had a bunch of, I had a bunch of milestones, personal milestones that were underwhelming financially. Now, what can I say about this? Um, nothing I experienced was out of the ordinary. A lot of the people you know, if you have friends who are in the arts, um, don't really make a lot of money from it, even if they do it at a high level and they are, um, you know, they're doing a lot of other stuff on the side. And I just kind of, I guess I changed because I was like, I'm not quite, um, the things that I want aren't really lining up with the way this works, you know? Uh... Yeah, I just kept like hitting, you know, I just got a check the other day for doing ADR on the lot in, you know, at Universal. And it's like, eh, I can buy some, let's see, I could either get my locks retightened with it or I could buy some lipsticks I've wanted in a blender. And that's, you know, that's it. And like. It also came two months later, which is just to say that I'm trying to figure out my relationship to the arts and stuff. Um, but what I do know is I wanted a paycheck and stability and, you know, to one day be able to take care of myself if I get injured or, you know, if I'm privileged to grow old. So I took a really interesting job at this amazing company it's really exciting. I've never really worked with people this smart and passionate and like they actually like their job. So it's not like you're just around depressed and happy people, which no shade. I'm oftentimes one of those people, but it's just a different energy, you know, and it's a creative company. It's an entertainment company um, and video games. So it's I'm like, wow, cool. Um, I manifested some stability for myself. That's really new. I just started it right after. I just started two weeks ago. So, you know, but your girl, your girl was tired. And there's a lot that goes into getting to work every day that I simply, 
I didn't simply didn't wasn't familiar with um driving commuting eventually I will probably be able to work from home almost all of the time but you know now no one knows me I have to show up and I'm just kind of like shadowing the person whose job I'm taking over so it's uh it's really yeah I had to I had to get up and like figure out where to take my dog every day you know, I'm a single dog mom and my dog has no act right. Um, she's not a normal dog. You can't leave her out or anything. You, she has to be watched or crated and I'm not in the business of abusing animals. So I had to figure out a place to put her eight plus hours a day. And I just, this whole concept of like leaving the house really early and then getting home also when it's dark was weird. Okay. I was tired. And every time I thought I would have, like, I formed a good thought about what to say about some of our shows, I would simply get in the bed, chow. I would simply get in the bed and close my eyes. Because one thing I did learn about myself is that I veer towards psychosis with sustained lack of sleep. So, you know, it's those moments when you're just driving around and things are sunny and nothing bad has happened, but you're in a blind, cold rage. I was like, oh, I'm tired and I'm hungry. So I needed to get my, get my house in order. So I think the best use of our time today would be to, um, let's just do a catch up. Let's do like, let's be in conversation about this, the franchises, um, starting with the most disappointing then we'll cover the conclusion, um, the reunion conclusion to SLC. And then we'll talk about the one that is still happening, um, which is Beverly Hill. But first, a quick word from our non-sponsor. Um, I just want to say about this Nicki Minaj beef that's happening. So if you haven't heard over the weekend, um, Megan the Stallion released a diss track. She didn't name any names, but it was explicitly, it was giving Tupac it was like, fuck you. First of all, fuck y'all bitches. And fuck you, fuck you. I was like, okay, well, we're just laying it out there. And it's called Megan's, what's it called? Megan, it's called Hiss. But in the in the song, she says, don't be mad at Megan. Be mad at Megan. Y'all bitches ain't mad at Megan. Y'all mad at Megan's law. Megan's law, if you're a child of the 90s and kind of true crime, the reason we're all scared of getting abducted, all of that stuff. There was a horrible, horrible case where a young girl was was assaulted and murdered. And so there was a law um, prosecuting sex offenders named after her. So that line had Nicki Minaj in a tizzy all weekend because she's married to a registered sex offender. Now, I know what you're thinking. You might be thinking, why am I married to a registered sex offender? That is the actual problem. And you're correct that's the problem so she just spiraled and then she released a song um where she rhymes the same word with the same word over and over again which um my co-worker pointed out she's always done that and she has but why do we let why is that acceptable so she says i call her bad bitch she she's six she about six foot i call her big foot i said get up on your good foot okay so what we've done with the word foot here is not inventive. And also, if you don't think she got shot, why would she have one good foot? Like, also, Megan started talking, I mean, Nicki Minaj started rapping about how Megan, the stallion, will fuck DJs for beats or something. Okay. Even if that's true, that's consensual. I don't understand. I, I just have to flag and, you know, we have, we've, we've covered a lot of like, you know, sex and weird behavior about sex with the housewives and everything else. So I'm going to make these, you know, little societal like drop-ins and trends of observations. And when I hear this rapper and I see in the comments on the shade room and stuff like that, people think that a woman having sex with who she wants to for whatever reason is like a comeback that's like a comeback to saying hey remember how your husband raped and assaulted a 16 year old and yeah he was also like young then too but i, I don't 
like, do you see women's sexuality is so vilified that people think that sleeping with someone of your own volition is a crime akin to shooting someone in the foot. So you're mad at Megan because she lied about sleeping with, uh, you know, she did hook up with what's his name. And I've said, I think it was before I started the podcast again, but I relate to her, okay? Because sometimes these ugly men, sometimes these ugly men will they'll creep up on you, okay? It, it it's it's because it's probably because they're ugly. So no, I'm not like shocked that Tory Lane somehow got you know into Megan's good graces and then she felt like a sexual attraction enough to hook up with him. If someone has a skill or they're talented at something and they're good at talking and they seem nice, that can happen. So I'm not hating on her. Like, oh my god, how could you ever? Whatever. All all of us have probably at least. I know all of us have fallen victim to that at least once in our lives, okay? And if not, some of us have married a, a gorgeous person who, you know, had 18 families. Like, it happens. But anyway, I, I, I was trying to figure out all weekend why Nicki Minaj kept saying, oh, because then the other bar is like, you lied on your dead mama. Lied on your dead mama. Okay. Now, on my mama, like, I put that on everything, whatever. Yes, that's that's a that's a expression like I swear I swear to God I swear for this but all weekend because it's like lied on it's there's also the phrase you lied on me so I'm like what does Nicki Minaj know about Megan the Stallion's mom that Megan doesn't know like how could Nicki know a, a, a truism about Megan's mom such that she's rapping you lied on your dead mama I just thought like what did she say what did she say about her mom okay she didn't say anything about her mom I guess at some point she swore to God or swore that she didn't sleep with these people. And to that, I just say, fuck off. Like, like my father, I like to think of, you know, is watching over me right now. If I said, I swear on my dad, I didn't do such and such and such. That's no one's fucking business. He would be proud of me because it's no one's business who you sleep with when they're trying to use it against you and slut shame you and all this shit. So Megan's mom, who raised her to be the proud woman that she is proud and confident, who is also a rapper and also, you know, worked in a male-dominated field, I know that she would not care about, like, whatever her daughter had to do to try to get away from the the torrent of hate coming at her. So I just couldn't believe that's what it was. I was like, what is the secret? How is Megan's mother involved? So anyway, now we know. And I feel like just last week before this happened... I was defending Nicki Minaj from misogyny because I don't like how people are like, you're 40, why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? You're so old, you're auntie, like go, you're too old to be fighting and blah, blah, blah. I'm like Eminem and uh, Benzino are also having a rap battle beef right now in diss tracks. Yeah, you heard, if you didn't, you thought you didn't hear me right, you, you did, Eminem and Benzino. Now, I don't hear anyone or see anyone saying that they're too old to rap and things like that or they're too old to get angry at things so it's definitely a double standard it's definitely always like where are your kids where's your kid like when nikki is you know doing all this stuff and doing her voices on the live and blah 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 and it's kind of funny because it's like are we just openly you know there's this movement against getting mad now when people are like men are trash men are trash but by the same token, are you okay with just openly acknowledging that you only expect a child to be taken care of by their mom? It can't be both. It's just like, we we just, these things just roll off the tongue. Where's your daughter at? Where's your daughter at? Or I think she has a son. Where Where's he at? Uh, that's weird. That's a weird thing to ask someone. But this week I've reneged because now I am with the ageism because I'm just like, I can't imagine beefing with you know, uh, someone coming up in the game 13, my, 13 years my junior who used to look up to me. I just think that's odd. Um, I just think it's like, why do you take, why do you, would you take someone like that more seriously enough to like actually engage with? You know, if, if, if Megan really, and I still don't know what Megan did to Nikki personally. I just swear, do you really think Nikki hasn't achieved all that she's achieved in her life with the perceived slights, the amount of perceived slights? But anyway, we'll circle back to that concept of me having to defend someone I don't like and just only wanted to drag when we get to Beverly Hills. But for now, let's 
take a break and let's get back to Real Housewives of Potomac. Again. Real Housewives of Potomac is trying me chow, okay? I thought we were gonna have an interesting season. And by interesting, yes, I thought the uh, West African tribal beef was interesting because I am West African and I like to tussle, all right? But it, it didn't pan out that way and it's just so much of a flop that I'm almost frightened. I feel nervous, like I just keep empathetically, you know, like the empath that I am, I keep putting myself in the editor's place and, and being like, what kind of terrible past couple months did you have? If this is all you came up with, you must have had nothing. And, you know, I'll kind of start with this episode and work backwards. So this this episode that aired yesterday was, um, it made me feel very sad for Karen because Karen is just, she's carrying the whole show on her back. She has come into, she has bought the land that her, her family was enslaved on in Surrey County. And sorry, not the land. They own the land, but she bought the house that her grandmother grew up in and she's turning it into a bed and breakfast for tourism of Surrey County because there has never been a place for people to stay in Surrey County before. Why? Probably because there's no reason for anyone to stay there, but... I just, I'm just going to hope that her housewife fame is going to lead to some sort of tourism spike and we won't interrogate that too much. In any case, we go to the land this episode. We see her family. She's really just trying to carry on as normal and do things that she would do this season, except initially she told the women that she did not have the ins liability insurance to have all of them at the house at one time. And so they had to pick names from a hat of who was going to go on this trip. And it was everybody except NECA. <laughs> it's pretty much first everyone except NECA. So I don't really think she drew from a hat. But even with, so it's like she knows that she can't even functionally get this group together. And then Robin declined to go because Candace was gonna go. And then Giselle said she doesn't feel safe in a van with Wendy and Candace. Which people are, you know, now talking about the colors and thing again, like, I don't know how to say it, but just because something exists and like is in the underpinning, undergirding, okay, it's not even my dog this time, it's my sister's dog, but just because something is there and omnipresent sort of in the background, it doesn't mean that every time, everything like if you use use that lens to analyze to analyze everything you're correct and by that i mean that of course colorism operates where there's a hierarchy and you know i just saw the movie cast this weekend so in the cast system we've created the lighter people white people are at the top in america and then you know the closer in proximity you are to that so if you have features that could be categorized as white according to the made up categorizations that we have uh, really just conceived and pull out of thin air for the purpose of, you know, economically using a certain population. Yeah, you're gonna, like, you're gonna get treated differently, et cetera, et cetera. Giselle has blonde hair and blue eyes or blondish hair. We've talked about this before. However, when she says, I don't feel safe with them, she means I don't feel, like, she doesn't mean, oh, they're gonna physically attack me. She means... I feel like we're going to get in a fight and someone's going to say some words that then go viral and that send more death threats to me because she said she got more death threats than she ever had because of Candace at last year's reunion saying, and you sit there with your privileged white looking ass, blah, blah, blah. I mean, and even as I'm talking now, I'm like, eh, is that the reason she got more death threats? Because certainly everyone could tell that, you know, she had light skin privilege before Candace pointed it out. Uh, maybe it's because people really did feel like she was making up stuff about Chris and it just seemed phony and didn't resonate. Now, I don't know why I'm making excuses for people making death threats. I guess I'm not making excuses. I'm just seeking like a reason that there would be an increase because she has been on the show for years. But anyway... 
No one will meet with anyone. Mia even sent a nasty gram back to Karen that was like, I don't do last minute invites. So I, I'll admit, I don't remember if Mia was originally invited or not. I think she might have actually just invited like the original cast members. Or by original, I mean like recently original. So I say all this to say that like, I honestly listened to this episode like it was a podcast. It just wasn't necessary. It was so formulaic. It's like they go to the farm, they do antics. Oh my gosh, we're working in the fields. Oh, a snake popped out, blah, blah, blah. But it's so hollow because it's just with this hollowed out group of people. Um, Wendy, okay, Wendy did give me a moment of laughter because for some reason, um, just I can barely get my words out because I just, the thought of it just struck such terror into my heart, like this, this sense of impending doom and dread. Giselle and Ashley are launching an athleisure line called G&A or something, which is just like Giselle and Ashley. Um, when in the history of our great planet did anyone tell these women that they wear clothes that anyone wants to emulate? Ashley notoriously cannot dress for her body shape at all. She consistently looks like she's shopping at Aeropostal in 1999. And Giselle, I think we've we've ta we've talked about that enough. Um, so Giselle had the nerve to say this fashion line is Lululemon meets Rihanna's line meets. Uh, I don't even think she called it like. What is it called? What is Rihanna's fashion line called? Uh, I, Yiddy? I don't remember now. Whatever. Anyway, she's like, it's something for all the girls. We give them some rhinestones, give them some lace, some mesh, a little bit of things. Why would there be rhinestones on your clothes? Why? Just why? Unless it's like a Swarovski look. Look, actually, Northwest said it best. Remember the clip that went viral of Northwest? Talking about the Met Gala costume that her mom was making with the designer there. And she said, I like the pearls. I just think, can they look less like they're from the dollar store? <laughs> and Kim says, no, no, no. That's where I think you're wrong here. These are very expensive pearls, which I thought was such an interesting moment, right? Because how can somebody be wrong about the way the pearls look? They look like they're from the dollar store. I just think it's really interesting that just the importance of wealth and excess to Kim that she's like, I can convince my nine-year-old that this thing that she said with her eyes looks tacky and cheap isn't tacky and cheap because I know how much these pearls were worth. Really interesting. But anyway, they tell on the drive to Surrey, which they get in like a little mini sprinter van. So the people that ended up going is Candace, Neca, who was invited last minute, um, Wendy, or not Wendy, um, Karen literally sent out an invitation that said, I have increased my liability insurance, so now all of you can come. So she really was like throwing out there, can I, can I get, you know, anyone to participate in my scenes? And okay, no, they're really serious about this. They're not fucking with each other anymore. Okay, let me extend it to these other people that I don't really care about. So NECA was actually eating with Sharice. Um, Sharice had went over to Giselle's house to sit with NECA and NECA is, is regaling them with the tale of how she got this last minute invite and what should she do about it. Bitch, you know you're gonna go, like let's not even play. And secondly, there was a very telling moment where NECA said, the moment I met Sharice, I knew she was fabulous. I was like, fabulous. <sighs> you know what? NECA should just be a, you know, consultant on the athleisure line. Cause honestly, it's like, if we want opposite day and we just want to have the most tackiest people we've ever met design this thing, let's just go for the gold. NECA should join the team and Sharice. We'll have sequins everywhere. We'll have, you know, leggings with champagne printed on it. Let's go for it. So anyway, in the car, that's when Ashley announces she's doing this line with Giselle. And Wendy says, uh, uh, you, you and Giselle. You, you're doing a clothing line. And she says something like why or something, but she just honestly just emitted a noise. It was hilarious. And then Ashley is like, 
whenever Wendy makes that, uh-huh, uh, it's because she's bothered. Um, people have certain tells, but they can go for multiple things. Like much like I was saying, you know, the colorism thing is the undercurrent, but it's not like everything someone says is in colorism. Every time Wendy goes, uh, she's not, she's not bothered. This time she was aghast. Okay, it's the same sound. She just couldn't believe it. Like she was shooketh and she probably was bothered. I'm bothered by the indignity of the idea as well. Anyway, let me back up and tell you why no one's talking to anyone. Okay, so this season, um, Robin has continued to decline going to things now where Candace is going to be there, including Candace's Mother's Day brunch she had last, last episode. She said, if there's anything these ladies can agree on, it's mothers. I'm like, your mom is a sociopath. So... I just, it's really weird. Honestly, like, there's not a huge difference in, the only difference between, like, Linda and Candace's mom is, like, careers. But watching Candace have a dinner to celebrate her mom, or brunch, is kind of, it's, it's as weird as if Monica had a brunch for Linda. It's just, we've seen the abuse. We've seen it with our own eyes. It's very confusing. She tried to destroy your marriage and continually tries to undermine your marriage. So anyway, um, Robin declined to go to that. And she said, no, I think it's better, Ashley, if we speak privately. And so Ashley, ugh, I'm lost. Not Ashley, Candace. So Robin and Candace go out to this cafe. And they have a really weird conversation last time that made me think Candace is honestly mentally unwell. And I don't say that lightly. I really do think that she is a megalomaniac and... I just think there is a part where you start to believe your own bullshit that you become a danger to yourself and everybody else in terms of advancing your own interests because she really was genuinely shocked that Robin, she said, Robin, you have to tell me what you're upset about. Okay, so I can do this. So everybody else can say whatever they want. But when I say this little thing, you don't get to litigate how mad someone is at you. Are you serious? You have to, when someone feels like you did something that hurt them, you have to say sorry. I, it would be, it would make more sense if Candace was like, I'm not sorry, I didn't do anything. But to be like, yeah, 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 I talk shit about you online. We all talk about each other online. Get over it. What are you doing? Like, I'm, we're supposed to be friends. Are you serious? We're supposed to be actual friends. You just said she was like a big sister to you. And yes, we all remember how random that was too. It's so odd. Watching her be surprised by Robin was honestly kind of creepy. Say what you will about Robin. She she actually said the quiet powder out loud this time. Exactly everything I've been saying last year, ranting to people before I <laughs> before I brought my podcast back. I said, Robin, you know, there's this line between being on a reality show and sharing things and just totally blowing up your whole life. And I actually don't think it's, I don't think it's my place or anyone's place to get mad at Robin for not completely humiliating herself. If she wants to lie about some really embarrassing stuff her husband did or cover for him, that 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 makes sense. And I don't think it's like violating the tenets of a reality show. You're still... You're, we still see lots of uh, humiliating moments for you, you know? The humiliation factor is still there. So I just, I never thought that what people were so mad about really made sense. I'm like, it's your life. If you want to monetize your pain, you do it. You know, the network doesn't own you. No one owns you. And if you were really getting paid enough money where you didn't feel the need to do this podcast, you probably wouldn't do the podcast. Like, I just, I feel that. So she literally said the same thing. She said, um, uh, Candace, I'm not going to destroy my family for you or for anyone. Of course, I'm going to cover for my husband if I want to cover for my husband. And Candace just like, I don't, I wonder if it's like Candace doesn't get it because to some extent she is willing to humiliate her husband more. Although she did get, you know, the, the way that she's acted about the whole Giselle accusing him of being untoward in a room it's kind of the same thing so she's she understands her own you know family wanted to protect her family but for robin she doesn't get it but i think she genuinely forgets the things that she posts online and that is scary to me because i'm not saying it's completely not relatable i have looked back later at things i've said online and been like 
that's really funny. I mean, it's always, it's always clever child. But I was just like, when did I have the time? Why did I have the time? Like I used to relate to my parasocial engagement used to be very different before therapy. I really thought I could reach people. I really thought what I said mattered. I would correct people on like, you know, people were being racist or sexist or homophobic and stuff like that. And now I see it from a totally different perspective. I see it from like, imagine how mentally unwell you have to be to be so mean, to feel so passionately and so evilly about whatever the thing is like that you're, you know, being such a cunt about on the internet. You're not a rational person. You're not okay. And did my therapist also tell me some of these things? Yes. She was just like, that's not normal. But mostly what she helped me understand is like how your blood pressure can raise. Like you genuinely can feel like you're actually having a fight with someone that you don't know because you'll think you're communicating, you know, well or civilly and they misread a word and they're like, well, actually you fucking fat bitch. And so it just is such a volatile place. Um, So that is to say that I don't remember everything I say, but I'm the same age as Candace. So at this point, you should have done some work on yourself to kind of make a connection between the things that you say and bad outcomes, you know? And for some people that might've happened when you told someone you hope he died and he died. For some people. Not everyone, I'm just saying. For some people that might've been, the thing for some people might've been when Andy Cohen said, you're a disaster online. Your social media is a, dis- a disaster, baby, a disaster. I should tell you, I'm disaster. But that didn't help either. So I just, I think there's a level of delusion that I honestly found frightening. She really thought the conversation was going to go a different way. She thought she could sit down and say, you did this. And then, and she also told her, I think that you, this is, she straight up like said her theory, which doesn't make sense. She said, I think you pretended to support me. Um, with the Chris, you know, when Giselle went against Chris, you, you pretended to support me because you don't usually dissent from Giselle. So you pretended to support me because you knew that the stuff about you was coming out later. That's not, that's weird. That's a weird thing to think, right? Because even if she was supporting you for less than than um you know the purest reasons even if she was like oh here's a kindred spirit your husband ain't shit and my husband ain't shit so i'm definitely not gonna go against this ancient husband if my husband ain't shit too she still supported you it doesn't really matter why because the other part of the strategy that you keep thinking she she had is not a real thing either she she barely barely reneged on that she I think she at the reunion she just said something like okay Chris like maybe you could just say you and you see how she's uncomfortable and I think that's only because people were kind of pushed into a believe women situation um and I don't I don't know do I sound like extremely like Ben Shapiro right wing right now like I think they just were kind of like we can't completely dismiss that Giselle says she feels uncomfortable even though, you know, this man is her work colleague, he wanted to go tell her something private relating to his wife, like it was just not a thing. But I don't know, child. I mean, but watching Candace really be surprised that Robin was like, I'm totally done with you. And but Robin said, like, she's done. Okay. Candace approached her like, let's talk about this. And she's like, okay, sure. And Candace is like, because I don't understand how you, you know, when Candace gets her whole, you know, because what I think is, and she starts looking all around and waving her hands and and Robin's like, sure, what can I help you explain? That's a done, that person's done. She's, she's using corporate speak with you. She's, you're fired. She's done. Okay. Sure. How can I help you? How can I, what can I clarify? I think is what she said. And then she says, well, when you tweeted those things, I was done. Our friendship was over. Candace needs this so badly, but I just don't know if it's going to, re- I don't know if it's going to register. I don't know if someone can get through to Candace that her actions aren't okay. I don't know if it's possible. I really don't. Um, yeah. So to wrap it up, no one, no one's literally people aren't talking to each other in Surrey County. NECA tries to invite Wendy to her house unpacking party or something stupid like that. Something contrived. 
And Wendy says, no, we skip steps. You let me, let me review. You, you said my mom's a witch. You said da, 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 da. Like, no, we're not. And it's true. Neca never apologized. She never said, let me take anything back. She just kind of like did the thing of a power move, which is when I'm, I'm too big to fight over this. So I'm going to make up with you. But it's like, well, we weren't exactly fighting. Like everything that happened was because you came for me. So you would have to apologize first before anything else. So Wendy is not wrong in that. But my God, it was so chilling to me as a viewer of the series because where do we go? Where do we go from here? Nika did the thing that producers, like she's playing the correct housewife game in this moment. You have to invite everybody to the stupid contrived events you have. Like she did, she's doing the thing. And it's not working because, it's not working because like no one is playing along. What are, what is going to happen? I I mean, th this is what the people had to work with. And the last thing I want to say about NECA is that I'm so torn. I think she's really a tryhard, but we I kind of felt that we all felt the same way about Angie K. And then she ended up winning us over. And I saw a glimmer of NECA winning us over because I actually think she's a kind of a weirdo. And if we could see more of her and her confessionals with her flat delivery being weird like and then I met and then Cherise and Cherise I've never heard as much about anyone in my life and I said oh, my eyes were like oh there is something funny about NECA just meeting these like you know public figures and tv personalities and then telling the camera about it telling us at home about it kind of like she's just like oh my god I can't believe I was there it's very NGK and her pressurized speech, I realized, NECA, oh no, no, not NECA, it was Anne-Marie. <laughs> Mixing up my black people. So we'll get to her, we'll get to her at the end. But I just saw glimmers of NECA like possibly being funny. Now, she's just so intense and so like her deliver, like when she gets to the brunch with Candace, she says, Candace, were you on the phone with Wendy? <laughs> like Wendy was, she, Candace was talking to Wendy. Wendy couldn't come because she had a book signing. And why are you, you're monitoring who she speaks to now? And she was just sitting up all straight and intense, like she was ready for some sort of fight. Um, Neca's sister did come on the show. She's gorgeous. Um, and her makeup was matching her face. So I think Neca could, I mean, the level of disheveled that Neca is, it used to only be rivaled by Charisse. And I just, I need... I know there'll be a season two glow up. There will be. I think there there was for Wendy. She'll get it together, so I won't spend too long harping on that. Okay, on to SLC. So the first two nights of the SLC reunion were, um, they were fine. But, you know, we all knew the really entertaining part was going to be at the end, and it was. Um, as a whole... Our, our fave, Monica, did not deliver. She really didn't. She looked uncomfortable, confused, didn't play it right. She didn't do what she needed to do to stay on the show, which was to just say, I'm sorry, I did this creepy thing, and I wanted to get back at Jen, but then I started to fall in love with you guys as I really got to know you. And I just love spending time with you and learning about your families. And girl, I mean, you guys are old, girl, but I still like you, girls. But she didn't do that. Instead, she just was defensive most of the time and told them they didn't have a chance to listen or they weren't listening to her. But then she didn't really tell us anything new. And she continued to lie on people like... Uh, you know, or lie or like bring out things people said, you know, she fell down the stairs at Angie's house and twisted her ankle. And then she wants to accuse and like Meredith was like, she said that Meredith told her you could take the house if you wanted to, you can sue. I didn't know you could sue people's private residences for things like that. But um, I would say the ladies were just done with her by the end um, because she just made a very strange lie. She said the FBI told her to go find Jen drinking and driving. Now, we know this didn't happen. So she just lies too much and she lies when she could tell the truth and just pepper the truth. You know, she could instead of massaging the truth into something marketable, 
she makes up very outlandish lies. So in the end, you know, as I predicted, we never found out what happened about the black eye. Heather gives an entire monologue about how Jen did it, but she doesn't say what Jen did. And Jen doesn't say what Jen did. Jen apparently came to the door that night that they were like rolling around with their tops off. The next morning, Jen comes and sees her and is like, oh my God, I did that. This is not that different from what I originally thought. I Originally, I just thought Heather got wasted and fell and she was too embarrassed because of her latent Mormonism, perfectionism tendencies to admit that she got sloppy drunk and fell. I mean, t we, we still don't know what happened. So Heather just still said, I'm, I was so scared of Jen. I was covering for her. I'm like, girl, covering for what? Like for crime? It's very vague. What were you covering for? What were you scared that she could do to you? I mean, she's mean, sure, but she already did a lot of things like call you Shrek and out your name and racist. Ooh. So what, what else were you scared of? And I'm not denying the existence of an abusive friendship. I just don't, I don't trust Heather. Heather's not a trustworthy person. And I think that's the thing is that everything in her narrative is always, she's always like the hero in it. And she's very well-spoken and funny and clever. So, and earnest with that whole, like, I'm sitting on the outside and I can't believe I'm here with these, with the cool girls. So you kind of get sucked in. But after several seasons, you're just like, ma'am. You're a liar, too. And that's why you were friends with a liar for so long. And I still think there's an undercurrent of just hating Monica because of things that she did to Jen. And then later on Watch What Happens Live, after the final episode, Heather says that, I think Andy prompted her, you know, what would Jen think? And Heather says, I hope, I hope that she thinks that we, you know, we did her proud or something. Like, we got rid of Monica, and I hope she feels vindicated. Are you nuts? Like someone, is this really just Stockholm Syndrome or, and I say that colloquially because I actually think Stockholm Syndrome, that whole thing was, I think there was a you're wrong about, about how it's not a thing. I don't remember the details, but whatever it is where you're just obsessed with someone who beats you up, like she has that. Cause I hope, cause what the fuck? They don't seem to really care about Jen's victims. They don't care. They never have demonstrated as much passion for that injustice as for Monica talking shit about them. Um, but I guess I can also say that Monica, it, it did show to be volumes and volumes of stories reposted and reposted and reposted all the time, you know, to get engagement. And so, and she's, and the ladies were tagged in all of them. So just imagine getting tagged multiple times a day over and over again. I mean, at this rate, Heather couldn't even properly see the notifications from actual fans or people who support her because they're just clouded with these um, Von T's notifications over and over again. It didn't look good. Um, also, we knew that, uh, we knew that Monica had said in the first episode that she installed the security cameras in Jen's house. Now, I didn't think that was that weird because I've been an assistant at all sorts of places and a lot of times just anything that's like you have to read instructions for, you just end up doing it. Like it's just, you know, it's intellectual labor that you're taking over to figure something out because we know how like those tasks take, you know, some hours after your day sometimes. So I, I guess I just figured, okay, Jen passed that off to her. Now, they circle back to a really interesting moment that's really interesting in retrospect which is, Lisa's like, I knew, I knew you were watching me on camera. Because remember that part earlier in the season where Monica's like, I just think you're gross. Basically, her whole tirade of like, I hate you because you're rich. And, you know, who brags about taking planes with Snoop Dogg? Lisa said, I never said that to you. And Monica's like, yes, you did, girl. You don't remember this conversation? Which is so funny because it's an it's a moment of Monica slipping up in her lies because lying is really hard. It's not easy to keep up a whole fake facade. I mean, it's really something your brain has to be kind of divided up and focused on that while it's simultaneously trying to have normal, you know, real in the moment interactions with people. It's very difficult. But as it turns out, Lisa says, well, I, that's how I caught you because I knew I didn't say that to you. I said that. So apparently she said it at Jen's house. So apparently Lisa was bragging to Jen about flying with Snoop Dogg and Monica watched it on the security camera. And that's why it's hard to lie. It's like you 
can't keep straight where you heard the information from, you know? You know something and now you're like, oh no, I didn't hear from there, I heard it from there. So that really freaked people out. And then <laughs> a montage of, you know, there's accusing her of stalking Jen's house and, you know, She's like, I wasn't stalking. I just went like three times and then they cut to a clip of, of a video clip of her being like, stakeout, bitch, it's a stakeout. <laughs> so Monica, I don't know, she had a great season. We cannot take that away from her. It was a fantastic season, fantastically entertaining. Um, I think if she works on being less reactionary and more structured in her arguments, and more strategic she could be a good housewife in the future because now she's on a break a pause I think she needs like to revamp her strategy I think kind of all of her energy was spent on getting on the show as she had been you know clearly wanting to work towards for years and also you know she has a vibrant giant wacky crazy personality with a troubled crazy background it made for good tv but this, you know, to navigate something like this would have required someone to have more finesse and to come out at the end of this and still have their peach. It is, it's literally not a peach. And this is getting to the end of uh, my um, ability to make sense because of this whole like working thing I told you, working every day thing, working every day at the same time thing. Well, a time that's all day that you have to wake up early for instead of like doing a show at night. So, anyway, Beverly Hills. Beverly Hills is still entertaining. I think it's going well. I think it's where it needs to be in terms of stakes. It's not too high. It's not too low. Um, the women have interesting enough things going on in their lives that it's not... It's still an interesting watch. Um, Kyle is committed to being a homosexual now. I mean, it's every episode... Um, it was a very sad very sad um celebration of life for her friend Lorraine who passed away and Heather I mean guys I'm not I'm not editing out any of these I means I usually do and I'm not I'm not you're just gonna find out I'm not actually good at podcasting um like you might have thought I was Kyle wears a harness to the event like a harness which I don't know if I haven't heard anyone really catch that but as someone who spends a lot of time with um, gay guys and lesbians, that is a, that's like a leather, queer, you know, symbol, like if you put the harness on. So I just, she went to this event by herself. Mauricio didn't show up. Like you have, it, it doesn't make sense that he wasn't there. It's a celebration of life. It wasn't just a charity. It's all about Loreen, you know, with a connection to some organizations you know, to donate money to and things like that. But I mean, it was about Loreen and he wasn't there. And her mother asked like, where's Mauricio? Oh, he couldn't call me at a work trip. Um, I've heard some other people point out and I can also vouch for this. Like he's too rich to not be able to do what he wants. There's nothing when you make the, when you make that much money, there's nothing that you actually have to do in person unless you're like running for president, sadly, like another useless business person but like I'm trying to think of things that actually require you there you don't have to you can pass off things you have such a hierarchy of presidents and co-presidents and people underneath you and da 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 when you're a CEO of something so or owner I just don't get I know he likes to he likes to do these things and and she's alluded to that but anyway um it was very very sad um she had children and it was just, it was very heartbreaking. Now, what was interesting was that Morgan Wade showed up and sang a song mm, about fucking someone on the bathroom floor. I was on the kitchen chair and you told me, put your pussy over there and you licked me in my cooch, yeah. Okay, that didn't happen, but it was, it was not far off. I was so confused, but people were still crying because I think it was just acoustic guitar. And I think that, yeah, a certain sound, a certain chord progression can be emotive and it can just, you know, she sounds like a sad, you know, 
Appalachian woman wailing because she doesn't have toothpaste or something like that. So I guess it's evocative of enough meaning, but just to think that I would invite you to an event and tell you the occasion and that's what you'd come up with was odd. Um, Amory is still doing it. We had a whole uh, another esophagus fight at a at homeless, not toothless, homeless, not swallowing, homeless, but esophageal health. And she literally just completely lied, like bold face lied and said, you know, she comes over and she's like, oh, we were talking, you know, I was just saying it doesn't make sense. You were just small esophagus, blah, blah, blah. And then Crystal, so Crystal said, you have an eating disorder. Huh? And like, that's not what happened. The episode before that, they were talking, like, Amory was like, and then she said this, and then I'm just saying, there's a reason you have a small esophagus. There's a reason you have a small esophagus, and it's just not like you just have a small esophagus. Now, if you have problems swallowing, that could be because of an eating disorder. Because because of the eating disorder. Um, and I had was going to say earlier, her pressurized speech, I finally remind, I finally realized who it reminded me of, and it's Kelly Ben Simone. Kelly Ben Simone and Amory are like corollaries, they're foils. I don't know, I remember what the literary word is, but they're the same version. Super athletic, tall, kind of like square, square shaped everything, like a square vibe if they had a shape. And um, they talk like this in their cheeks. Like they're just have, like everything is like packed in their cheeks. Like it's weird. It's weird. It's weird. It's weird. It's weird. It's weird the land. It's weird. So she's just going on and on and, and she's like, eating disorder, and then Crystal's like, whoa, whoa, like an eating disorder? Can we like chill out? Amber says, I didn't say eating disorder. You, but you, no, you just said it. So I'm, again, I'm kind of fascinated by people like Amory and, and, you know, and to that extent to Candace, did you, do you not remember the things you said 15 seconds before it was so weird but at the then later at the event the homeless and toothless event Amory literally blurted out well crystal said you have an eating disorder and then crystal's like are you crazy oh my god shut up you're such a bitch and then kyle looks all stunned why i don't know i they gaslight the fuck out of crystal i'm sorry crystal she's so quiet she needs to speak up and then we get to see flashbacks in this most current episode, we get to see flashbacks of when she did speak up and everyone was shook and said she was condescending and da da da. Um, so they go to Barcelona on their trip and oh by the way, Anne-Marie does call Sutton to apologize effectively just so she can still go on the trip, which NECA could have taken note from because that is kind of like the order of operations. Um, but then they get to their little house in Barcelona and then are they yeah, it's in Barcelona. Is it in Barcelona or Seville? It's Barcelona. I think Barcelona. Barcelona. So they're all eating dinner, and Amory yells apologies at people because Garcelle's like, "Well, actually, I wasn't really offended so much by the such and such comment. I was just like, I was offended." And they flash back to when Amory said, "And I thank goodness that I'm not single and lonely every day when I wake up. I love my life. My husband is a rapist, and he told me that I'm an 8.5, not a 10." And God forbid I have someone who doesn't sexually assault women and who loves me for who I am and tells me they think I'm the bee's knees because then I would never improve. And I'm really proud of being a nurse and that's a death. Um, yeah. So she did a little fake apology thing then, but then at the t- for, for some, but then she had to do it again because the lady said, actually, that's what really bothered me. You know, you're sitting at a table of, mostly divorced women and and sons like it bothered me too i was more lonely when i was married than i am now and i said i know that's fucking right it's one thing to be like well i don't have this thing i don't have someone who shares my bed and all the other annoying things no i'm just kidding like but it's just like it's different to be like i'm actually single and now i do what i want and and find things in my life and add them to it then to be in a marriage and feel alone and, and know that you're supposed to have the thing and now there's restrictions on what you can't do and what you can seek out, but like the person who's there is not fulfilling you. It's awkward. It's awkward. Um, so 
Anne Marie's like, I said, I'm sorry if I offended everyone. I'm saying I'm sorry for my comments, including sad and desperate. If sad and desperate felt like it applied to you because you're a loser and you don't have a life, I'm so, I'm sorry, okay? It was really weird. And I would have cut her off right then. Instead in the confessional, Garcelle's like, if that's an apology, then I don't want it. <laughs> no, absolutely. I would just be like, beep, beep. I can't whistle. Beep, beep. Start over. That's just not acceptable and it's not going to happen. Like, you have to stop. But then she got into it with Crystal again. So her response to the esophagus comment was not to actually engage with the esophagus issue. It was to just entirely bring up another thing. And so when I first met Crystal, she said that you ladies were shallow and uneducated. I just could not believe that someone would say something about, you know, blah, blah, girl, whatever. Do I think Crystal said that? Yes, I do. Because she, the way she's, the way she denies it doesn't make any sense. She says, did you say that? I would not say that to someone I just met. It literally was like she said, let me think about it. I have said that to all of the closest people in my life, my high school music teacher and the lady across the street with the begonias. But I wouldn't say it to her because I don't know her. Like it really, I just couldn't believe the order that she replied and she said, I would never say that to someone I just met. And and I, oh, 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 and I don't feel that way. And the ladies were like, I mean, we know Crystal thinks we're dumb. She's pretty much made that clear in the past. And then they go back to the her first season when, what did she say? She said it was, oh, she felt violated, which is, it's really crazy that they tried to parse the word violated because it literally either means a parking ticket or like, you, your privacy like that's the only way we use it in America I feel violated it doesn't mean that someone actually I feel that I feel is does a lot of work in that and they ran her around a three pony circus for the whole season because of that word so then they show clips of her saying violation means to blah 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 da, da, da. look it up it's a word and then later they show her saying like and 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 I know these are big words but I remember why she said big words. She was kind of being sarcastic. It's kind of a play on the words because the ladies were saying things like, that's a big accusation. Saying a thing that you feel about a thing that we just did to you is a big accusation, which is like, you know, racism, whatever, your boundaries violated. It's always, you know, worse to, to say that a thing happened that you didn't like than to be the experiencer of it, apparently. But... Yeah, so they, they were saying that it's a... I remember them being like, this is a big word. Those are... It's a big accusation. So when she says, like, I know these are big words, it's kind of playing on that. But instead, the way that the editors, who must not really fuck with her, cut it together was like, boom, bam, boom. You think they're stupid. So no one is really surprised. Of course, Dorit goes to, shh, educate it. We're all educated. While you were being a child bride, some of us were working, making companies. Dorit, you're not, you're not educated in any of the ways that matter, okay? Educated, I, I don't think it means an advanced degree um, because I don't think Crystal has an advanced degree. She's 24. I mean, she got married when she was 24. Or maybe she got a master's, she could have, a two-year, I don't know, but I don't think she did. I think she just means you're dumb, and like half of you are. Sudden's not, um, plus is not dumb. Erica's definitely not dumb. Uh, okay, anyway, I'm tired of that. I have to say, one th really important thing that happened last episode is, shocking, shocking, um, Dorit, I mean, not to read. <laughs> I'm going to call this episode. I mean, not. Blah, blah, blah. Sudden randomly brings out ashes to take to Barcelona. But first she says, I'm going to bring Merce, Merce Cunningham. And I was like, I got really excited because I was like, Merce Cunningham is alive. And he's going to be on a real housewife show. Like, I was just like, this is the most legitimate, you know, person in the arts that has ever been on a housewife show and then she brought out his ashes 
and she told us that she was really close to him. He was a father figure to her, especially after her father passed. Um, she worked for him. She interned for him, and then she was a dancer in New York, and they showed pictures, and it was crazy. I mean, I love when they stunt on you or just add legitimacy to you know these people's backgrounds. So Sutton is not only rich as fuck, and God knows what her husband does. We still don't know. Um, but she used to work for Merce Cunningham. I mean, he's the father of modern dance, pretty much. It was shocking to me. Um, I was just, but then I also didn't really love the whole being kooky with ashes. Like, should I put it in this? Should I put it in that? And trying to figure out a container and how to transfer the ashes into like a cute jar or something. And then Avi's like, oi, this is against my religion and goes and gets <laughs> gloves. And then they just, I, I don't know. I mean... I guess if that's your levity, I guess if that's your hurt. I mean, you knew Merce, I didn't. If he would think it's funny, I guess. But I just felt a little weird about being kooky, like using someone's cremated body as a kooky prop. I felt that was a little off. But I really appreciated the pictures and the photo history and like looking at that time in New York where such exciting things were happening in dance and seeing Sun, who was just pretty as a little doll back in the day. Um... That was interesting. So she's going to find a place to disperse his ashes. And she does get very emotional later, and which I think makes sense. You know, that makes sense. So Sutton's a very complicated, interesting person. And I do like when we get to learn more about her, which I feel like we really are this season. Um, but in conclusion, oh, Kyle's marriage is in shambles. She's not even trying to hide it. Um, they're, at, they're, they're at a dinner prior to the trip. And... Randomly, at the end of the first of all, the dinner, she just yells out, Would you guys ever date a woman? <laughs> like, they were playing a game, a weird dare game. So, it wasn't even a game with those questions. It was like, Lick her foot, like, sudden licks Kyle's foot, and I think Amory licks someone's armpit or something. Gross. Um, but it, no one was asking these types of questions. And if they were, it wasn't like Kyle's turn. Kyle's like, Would you, whatever you guys eat, pussy? And then, you know, there people go around and answer. And I think most people say no. And then they're like, would you? And she's like, yeah, I would. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just the way Kyle invites questioning. And then it's like, oh, my God, everyone's looking at me. Everyone's taking pictures. It's just, oh, man, it's so funny. This woman. Um, I think it's already been confirmed that she calls the paparazzi on herself when she's in Aspen. Um, like that time she was at Kimosabe with Rihanna, she definitely was like, called them. Was like Rihanna's here. I'm just leaving you a tip. And um, the actress from Halloween Kills. So, at that same lunch, um, she also just lets rip that she hates when your partner comments on Instagram stuff and says, yeah, I don't like when Mauricio does that. We like, we've had thought of that, thought about that before. Like the Instagram thing, like, yeah, Instagram is bad for relationships. Like just liking someone's photo and like, I'm talked to him, like, you don't have to like every single person's picture. And I was like, damn girl, if you had told me it was that easy, I would have slipped to Mauricio's DMC. I didn't know it was actually like I always thought you guys had like a you know I respect marriage but you know you got to put marriages on a scale like who's really I respect it as much as you respect it if you're serious about it I'm serious about it so I didn't know you guys had one of those like not serious ones because I would have just you know I would have been I would have been slipped in Mauricio's DMs and not because he's rich because I actually just want the D okay so I'm joking about some of the things I said you'll have to figure out which ones um and I think that's where I'll leave that um I yeah I don't have any complaints about Beverly Hills I think it's it's what I like it's the it's the level of drama and pathos that we need it's it's not you know revolutionary but it's definitely not boring and I look forward to it and there have been some good fights so I say great thanks for delivering I'm hoping that you know I'm looking future thinking about the future about gosh we don't we still don't know what's gonna happen with Atlanta 
But what we do know is Vanderpump Rules premieres tomorrow, and I'm super excited to talk about that with you. I watched this show. I remember, like, being right out of college when it was on TV, and I, I just, I watched it from the beginning. So this is going to be a really interesting season to see what happens after Scandaval and Queen Ariana, which if, if I haven't told you the story about how I met her and how she really is lovely, um, I will, but I'm really excited that she's just had her Broadway debut for Chicago because she's she's one of, she she's a real actress who kind of just, you know, moved to New York and then went to LA on a whim, wasn't super thrilled about doing this show. And I'm, I'm super psyched to see people finally get to live their dreams that they intended to, like whatever roundabout way you get to it. Which I feel like I've said all of this before. But anyway, that's cool. So tomorrow's going to be really interesting because I kind of, my sense about what's about to happen to Vanderpump is everyone turns on Ariana. And we're just going to get to see that lovely, you know, that lovely pathology of how twisted everyone is and how much it is about attention and who is at the, who's the, who's the top guy in the group at this certain time and following that person. And if it, and then if they get too big, you need to take them down because then it's not enough time has been spent on you. Like, I can't wait to, I can't wait. <laughs> it's going to be exciting. All right. Thank you for rejoining me after my little mini hiatus. I'm so excited to actually have this stability and have this schedule and also have a good income where I can like do more things with the pod. So hopefully we're just going to be going up and out and our production value is going to get greater. And, um... Yeah, I can't wait to spend 2024 with y'all. So woohoo, cheers to that. And I'll talk to you real soon. I'm going to record Vanderpump tomorrow and we'll probably have that up by Wednesday. Ta-da!